title of my sermon is Savior Behavior. Okay? I like that title. Savior Behavior. How many are saved? Then behave. Hallelujah. Uh, behave like a Christian. I can make the altar call right now. My God. Because uh, that's the brunt of my sermon. <laughs> uh, now, let me just go back and, and, and deal with what we've learned so far. There's, we've learned a lot of stuff. Uh, and I, I pray that you would be taking notes. That's why we made the bulletins as we did with, uh, uh, in the back there. You can take your notes. Now, one of the important things that I think we have learned dealing with this here, uh, 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 the first John, is that when you're, you're initially saved, you enter into a relationship with God. Remember that? The minute you're saved, the moment you're saved, you enter into a relationship with God. But upon your, your, your salvation, upon entering that relationship, then you're supposed to enter and continue and be in what? Fellowship. There's a difference. We've, we've used the illustration, and I'll, you know, use it again. My son and I, were related. But he doesn't live with me, so we don't fellowship that as much as we should. Though we do have phones, and I, I call him sometimes, and he won't answer back when it's a bad question, you know. Uh, like last night. And then, uh, he won't answer back. Uh, so we don't stay in fellowship like we should. If he lived with me, we'd be in more fellowship. Uh, you're welcome, son. We're building a new you know, room down with them. I'm just kidding. Uh, but that's the way it is in Christianity. The minute you're saved, we enter into we belong to him. He's our father. But sometimes we don't fellowship with him. We don't walk in the light. And then we found, and you know, we had about three umbrellas. Remember that? Three ways that keep us from the light, that keep us from being in fellowship with, with, with Christ, that pull us into actually sin. Okay? But now here in chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, John does a really, really wise thing. He deals with us regarding making sure that we can know. Remember those words, sure and truly, and, and, and know that spiritually we're okay. Spiritually we're all right. We can breathe easy, so to speak. Because John has just given us three sin symptoms. Remember that? That's what they were. They were three sin symptoms that keep a person away from God and from his light. But John wants us to be clear that a real genuine Christians are not to worry. That they are sh surely and truly in fellowship with God. Now, uh, years ago, we had a young man that used to play organ here and he passed away. Herman, he, Herman Navarro, some of you knew him from Dakota. And he had a heart problem. He was supposed to live only five years. He lived 10 years, but he outlived himself by five years and he, and he passed away at the age of 29. When he passed away, I remember, I mean, you know, some of us took it hard. Most of the church took it real hard, even myself included. It was not easy. When a guy like him passes away, you know, it's one of those charismatic kind of guys. So I remember that night after the funeral, I couldn't sleep. I was like, honey, my heart, my heart, honey. <laughs> oh, palpitations. Uh, and I kept feeling all the symptoms. Oh, my God. I think I'm the same way. Oh, I know that's the way it is. Oh, uh, it's called hypochondria. Uh, we think we got the same thing that the individual has. All right? I mean, we're, we're about certain that, uh, you know, that we have those certain diseases as well. We think we have them. All right? I, I know I got it. Well, John was insightful enough to know 
that many Christians would, uh, you know, would, would become like this. Thus, he wants us to have and to be sure that we're genuine believers, willing to do what the master's will is for our lives so we're okay. In other words, we have just read three umbrellas or three symptoms that keep us from the light. Three symptoms of sin. And then all of a sudden, John is smart. He says, you know what? Some of these people, they're really Christians. They're born again, but they're going to question themselves. They're going to think they have those symptoms. They're going to think that they're not born again. Jesus, so I better deal with them. And that's what he does here in chapter 2. He wants you to be sure. Listen, you don't got it. Steve, you're going to be all right. Your heart's okay. Uh, but I just read about these three umbrellas that keep from people from saying, uh, I probably have it. Uh, again, it's called spiritual hypochondriacs. See, John is dealing here with us in the early part of the letter with a number of spiritual sicknesses and diseases. And again, he knows that spiritual hypochondria might set in. For we might be thinking or, or feeling, yes, that's me. I haven't been letting in the light like I should. I must have the sin of evasion. I have to have the sin of illusion or seclusion. Oh no, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I have it too. I have that sin of seclusion, illusion, and delusion. Uh, see, John also feels that some people uh, may be questioning their fellowship. And not only their fellowship with God, but they're questioning their relationship. In other words, their salvation. Uh, their very own salvation. And John is, is, is very aware that the enemy will always play on our emotions and our feelings. Uh, especially when we're asking some heavy, testy questions. Am I walking in the light? Uh, am I being secluded? Wow, that could be me. See, and he tests us in the first chapter. But then he's right, right, when we get to the second chapter here, he says, you know what? I got to make sure. They got to make sure that they're safe, that they're, that they're okay. Uh, that we're, they don't have the same symptoms that the other people do. Okay? When we're examining ourselves. See, we can be hard on ourselves, but the enemy can be worse on, our, on us as well. When he sees us, like, you know, pouting and, and oh, pobrecito mio. Yeah, 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 you're going to die. You have that symptom. Uh, you better go to the doctor. See, John stops to deal with and, and try and handle this problem. And verse 3 says, look at verse 3. It tells us how we can make sure that we are born again. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. In other words, you can be sure that you're saved and you know him if you're doing what he wants you to do. If you're trying your hardest to do all you can to keep in fellowship with his commandments. The fact of our willingness to obey Christ, okay, in our present actions of what we're doing right now, shows that somewhere and sometime and somehow in the past we came to know him. We were, we were in relationship with him. Stay with me now. I'm teaching here, okay? In other words, by our actions, of our, our willing to, to obey his commandments, it shows us that sometime in the past we came into relationship. We were saved. We were born again with Almighty God. We came to know him. Know him how? Know him as your personal savior. You're saved. You're okay. You're going to live you're not going to die. Ah. See, because our actions have changed. And because we do not behave as we once did. But now we have a yearn, we have a desire to serve and to please God. 
That is why we can now be sure, he says, that we've been born again. I've told you before the testimony of our founding pastor's brother Sonny, his wife, Julie, when she first got saved. She was a young girl there in East L.A., and she didn't know what had happened to her life, but she'd gone forward. She'd gotten, came to the altar. Somebody opened her heart to Christ. She'd gotten saved. But she didn't know. Because when you first get saved, I mean, how many altar calls do you make? Every one. I mean, the home makes every altar call, no matter what, hardly, usually, you know. Uh, because when you're first saved, you're like, oh, that's me. That's me. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, and you're, sometimes you're wondering, am I saved or I don't know, you know. And Julie had the same problem, the same dilemma that all of us do when she was first saved, born again. And she says, and she was getting ready there one night, and she was listening to the radio and ironing her clothes. And she says, the preacher on the radio says, do you feel like drinking? She goes, no. She talked to the radio. Do you feel like smoking? No. Do you feel like going out to parties? Come on, women's home. No. Ah. Uh, do you feel like, you know, uh, going out and having a good time? No. Then the preacher on the radio says, do you feel like going to church? He goes, yeah. Do you feel like praying? Yeah. Uh, do you feel like telling people about Jesus? Yes. She goes, well, then you're born again. You're saved. See, a change had happened. A change had happened on the inside. So how can we know that you're born again? Because of the changes in your life. Uh, because you're willing, you're wanting, you have a yearning to obey his commandments. I want to go to church. Uh, we've said it before. You don't want to hang out with the pigs because now you're a, you're a sheep. Man. Uh, and you start hanging out with your old homies. You know, give me, give me five, you know. All that stuff. Who's, gonna, who's got the best drug? Mm, I want to go hear that guy preach. Ah, that's how we know that you've been born again. Now, we're talking a new behavior here. Due to our Savior. We have a new behavior. But we are not talking, not. We are not talking about a behavior that to acquire the, sa the Savior. Stay with me now. I don't want to lose you. In other words, we're talking about a new behavior because of our Savior, but we're not talking about acquiring the Savior because of our behavior. And by that I mean that we cannot come to know God or to be saved or born again because of our great behavior. I am the Pope. I deserve to go to heaven. Pope? Nope. You have to know Jesus. You got to be born again. Ah, no one can come to know God by trying to keep his commandments. Knowledge of God can only come by grace through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. You, you can't earn it. No works. It's the gift of God. If I give you a gift, you didn't earn it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to pay me for it. It's a gift. That's what salvation is. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't walk up. 59 steps on your knees to try and appease God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Ah, oh, ah. Oh. I am ready to be saved. You were ready to be saved down there before you got on your knees. Ah, oh, you don't have to go through all that stuff. You can't appease God that way. It cannot be earned. It's a free gift. See, no. So first, one finds God through faith in Jesus Christ. Then we spend the rest of our life doing all that we can to keep his commandments. Are you with me? 
First you get saved, and you, don't have, you can't earn it. Uh, anything you do, you can't earn it. But once you are saved, then you do all you can to please him and to keep his commandments. That's called savior behavior. In other words, if you're a Christian, then act like it. You don't have to act like a Christian before you're a Christian. I, I remember I've used the illustration before about a guy that, that got in an accident. He was all messed up and, you know, the ambulance came. He says, oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 don't, don't, don't take me to the hospital. I don't want to go to the hospital until I get better. That's the way some of us are. Oh, I can't go to church. Oh, no, 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 no. I can't go to until I get better. Come on. Oh, man, we'll have the ambulance bring you, no matter what. Here's how you're going to get better. So again, John is saying here in John chapter 2, that we can be sure that we're Christians and that we belong to Jesus if we have that desire and that yearn to serve him and to obey him, coupled with action. Okay, John is not saying that we're perfect. That's why I use the Pope as an illustration. We may have problems. We might have weaknesses and shortcomings. But if we're doing all that we can to keep his commandments, and if we have a, a desire to obey, then we can be sure that we know him. That's what he's saying here. You can be sure that you know him. Why? Because of the way your actions are. Uh, now you want to go to church. Now you, you want to tithe. You can't wait for Pastor Steve to bring out pledges again. Uh, which we will do. By the way, the, the engineer that's a Christian has the plans and he should be getting them back to us shortly. All right, to knock down these walls. Then in verse 4, look at verse 4. We're moving fast here. Here in verse 4, John wants us to be doubly sure that we're saved and that we're born again. So he puts what he's saying now in a negative order. What he said in the positive order, now he says in a negative order. The positive order was found in verse 3. We know that we have come to know him because we obey his commands. That's, that's a positive. But look, now he puts it in a negative order. The man who says, I know him, but does not, the negative, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Uh, here in verse 4, he says, if you don't, negative, negative order, if you don't keep his commandments and say that you know him, come on. Who are you trying to kid? Uh, you're a liar. That's what he's saying. You really don't know him. You ever seen a counterfeit bill? Uh, don't take no wooden nickels, they say. Uh, these, these counterfeit bills, they, they seem to be real. But there's always, always something that can be spotted that misrepresents their real true value. There's always something there. It seems like a 20, but it's really not. There's something there. there. A little bit of ink that slipped or something. There's always a, something that's going to give it away. That shows that it's counterfeit. And the same principle applies to phony Christians. They look real. The tares and the wheat, they look good. But there's always that little slur. There's always something there that gives it away. Uh, always something there. John is telling us that they can say the right things. I know him. That's what it says. They say, I know him. But they're really counterfeit. They're the bunk stuff, guys. Ah. Uh, if we judge them on the outside, if we judge them, John says, on what they say, then we'd not know that they were real phonies. Because they say, all right, all the right Christians, thank you, Jesus, glory to God, hallelujah, amen. UTC, T.D. Jakes, oh yeah. Charles Stanley, yeah, yeah, Jack Hayford. They say all the right words. Uh, 
They go to the right places. They even say, I know him. That's what it says there, but they don't. They hang with the right people. But I think that word hang is the right word to use here because like Judas, they eventually hang themselves. Uh, they hang themselves. They, they hang with the right people. They have all the right words. They, they say, I know him. Oh, I know him. But they're counterfeit. They're phony. Uh, the way to spot them, okay, is as they disobey his commandments. Their lives are unchanged. That's what that song says. Thank you, Lord, for the change you did in me. Now it's here for all the world to see. Because the world's going to see. Uh, but Paul says, we are all written epistles. Letters. Uh, read by all men. People are going to check out your life. They'll know if you're a Christian or not. Uh, they're the ones that'll, uh, we don't have to find out if you're a Christian or not. Out here, the world will know if you are or not. The way you're living. Uh, remember that illustration that I've used so many times before. And I, I'll bring it out again. I like it. I go into my garage every day, but that doesn't make me a car. You can come to church every day. But that don't make you a Christian. It doesn't make you a Christian. Uh, their actions are still the same. There's no change. None at all. Somebody once said, they preach cream, but they live skim milk. Another saying, and I like this one. Is this, many come to church on Sunday and say, oh, Father. But they go around the rest of the week acting like orphans. Oh, I like that one. They come to church on Sunday and say, our Father, our Father, which art in heaven. Uh, he's in heaven, but you're not fellowship. The rest of the week you're living like an orphan. He's not your Father. Uh, not at all. There's no Savior behavior. To behave like a Christian. Now also, one can stop doing some of the things that, that they were doing before they were born again. But you cannot be born again and not stop what you were doing. Understand what I just said there. You can stop. I mean, you look at the, the Mormons. Oh, oh they, don't, they don't drink. They don't, you know. You can stop doing what you were doing, drinking and smoking and carrying on and all that stuff without being born again. But you can't be born again and not stop doing what you were doing before. You can't. I mean, I mean, there's going to be a change. Uh, remember whatever I said before. When you're born again, when you're a Christian now, you can still do anything you want to. You can't. You can do anything you want to. But God changes your want tos. Uh, that's what he does when you're saved. Now look at verse 5. We're moving fast here. Verse 5. Here John the Beloved is talking about his forte. He's talking about love. Do you have it? But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. If anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him or born again. He's talking about God's love perfecting us, maturing us. The love of God is changing us. It's the love of God that's telling us on the inside, don't go do this, don't do that, do this, but don't do that. Be careful, don't go over here. Don't do that sin. Don't, don't, ah, ah, it's the love of God. What does salvation mean? Help. The minute you're saved, you got help that you didn't have before. I got help now. Uh, before, you know, nothing could stop me from doing what I wanted to do. Uh, I wouldn't bow down to a freight train. Yeah. I get run over my pride. Ah, before. 
Okay. But now I got help. Steve, get away from that freight train. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ta-da! You know? Steve, don't use them drugs. Okay. Ta-da! Freight train here. Drugs. Uh, Steve, don't be. Yeah, no, drugs. Uh, no, 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 no. Because now I have help on the inside. When you're saved, you got help. Okay. Get up and go to church. Get up. Do this. Do All right. Uh, it's the love of God that constrains us. That, that perfects us, that matures us. In other words, the love of God will gradually and little by little change your life. That's what John is talking about. And John knew a lot about love. He was John the what? Beloved. Again, this has to do with fellowship. With a continuous communication and a tie-in to Almighty God. Romans 8, 29 says that we're going to be conformed into the image of His Son. Little by little we're being conformed. You can't become instantaneous Jesus. Look, little by little... You learn how to grow the things of God and how to change. From glory to glory, he's changing me. See, John is saying what Peter, Paul, and James, and and even Jesus have said, Christianity is a process of progress. Uh, A process of growth into maturity. It doesn't happen overnight. Oh, I want to be like this guy right away. I want to be T.D. Jakes. Uh, Well, okay, it's a good aspiration, but it's going to take time. That guy had to study and learn and evolve and grow. That's what Christianity is, John is saying. It's a process of progress. You got to grow. But you do have to progress. You do have to grow. Some people say the same all the time. Same old lame old. Uh, all, how's it going, brother? Good, 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 good. They never grow. I've, t- I've preached in the, uh, the parable of the talents, the five talents, the two talents, and the one talent. Remember that? One guy had five talents. He turned it into how many? Five more. So he had ten. Actually, he had eleven. Then the one that had two talents turned it into two more. He had four. But the guy with the one talent, what happened? He hid it on the ground. He buried it. Uh, so God came. The, the householder came and took that talent from him. Uh, he didn't progress. The, his sin was a sin of omission. He didn't progress. He didn't evolve. He didn't grow. He didn't turn it into another talent. He was afraid of the competition. He was afraid of all kinds of stuff. So he hid the talent. And God said, I'm going to take it from you. I'm going to give it to the guy with the five talents. So he ends up with 11, the guy with the, with, that had the, the 10. Huh? Because he didn't progress. you got to grow. Well, I don't know if I should go to church this week. You're not going to grow then. As you should, or as much as you should, or as much as you can. Uh, you got to keep evolving in the kingdom of God. So verses 5 and 6. Let's read verse 6, and we're going to close with this. Verses 5 and 6. John is nailing home his point of being sure of our salvation which is Savior behavior. Look at verse 5 and 6. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete or perfect or mature in him. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. Walk as he walked. Uh, See, if we're in Christ, we'll behave like Christ. What would Jesus do? That's how you're going to know if you're saved or born again. You're going to behave like Jesus. See, the word abide, it says there, and the King James says, abide. Then my word abides in him. The word abide has the same meaning as fellowship. Thus, when we're in fellowship, we'll do what Jesus did. Look at John, St. John, chapter 15, verse 5. Turn to St. John. Who wrote the book of 1 John? St. John. Some 35 to 40 years later, he grew old like me. Uh, He wrote St. John, the Gospel of John. That's why I like to use the Gospel of John as I teach 1 John. 
Because this is, this is John, the same guy, 30 to 40 years prior. But he uses the same words all the time, by and large. Do you have John chapter 15? Verse 4, remain or abide in, in me, and I will abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must abide in the vine or remain. But that's the word abide. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain or abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man abides or remains in me and I in him, he will bear how much? Much fruit. But apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Zero. Nothing. It's the same word abide, which is the word fellowship. Now, stay with me here. You can be in Christ... But, you can only, but you'll only produce leaves. That's relationship. Stay with me. You can be in Christ, but all you're going to do is produce leaves, not fruit. Why? Because all you are is a relationship with him. Okay? But when you abide or when you have fellowship with him, you produce fruit. So as a Christian, what's it going to be? Leaves or fruit? What do you want? What do you want? You want leaves? Looking pretty? But there's no fruit. Ah, there's, no, no, no. You're in, if you die, you'll probably go to heaven because you're in a relationship. Oh, that's, yeah, he was my father. Okay, get in. Uh, but when you get to heaven, you're going to be like, remember that? What are you going to be wearing? A rubber band. Uh, and all the victorious people are going to come up to you and going to go, ding. You're going to have a big old red spot here. Get away from me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and those are the victorious people. Uh, but what's it going to be? Leaves or fruit? When we're in fellowship, we produce significant results. We produce fruit. Uh, we live an abundant life. But when you're without fellowship, you can do nothing. So what it says here. You produce zero. There's zero production. Zero results in your life. Like, one of the, the one, like the one talent guy, there's no progress. There's no production. John says, if we want to do something significant and be something... We must walk as he walked. That's what he ends with, verse 6. Walk as Jesus walked. And how did Jesus walk? Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good. He didn't just kick back and come to church just on Sundays. Huh, you know, he went around doing good all week long. We're supposed to walk like he walked. And I don't think Jesus just walked to church on Sundays. I think he did some more walking during the week. It's important that our life count for something. Or a lot of things. Uh, something good. See, my friend, and here's the key to the sermon. By walking as Jesus walked and living a life that has changed from the way that you used to live, thus, we're not, we're not living a life that has been unchanged. Stay with me here. By living a life like Jesus walked, we're living a life that has changed. In other words, we're not unchanged. But now, rather, we're living a life that has been exchanged. Not an unchanged life, but an exchanged life. We're walking as he walked. It's called the uh, 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 exchange life. Not my will, but your will be done. Uh, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. That's the exchange life. What kind of life do you want to live? You'll be a Christian, okay. But you want to live an unchanged life, same old, lame old? There's no change in your life. Ah, can't even stay awake for a teaching on a Sunday morning. Hallelujah. Ah. Well, I stayed up too late last night. Well, then change. You study the Old Testament. They got prepared on Saturdays for Sundays. 
So they did. They got ready for the Sabbath day. Uh, we should hand out toothpicks. Uh, but we're not going to put them here. We're going to stick them someplace so we're keep you awake. Uh, ay, ay, ay. Two toothpicks. One for each cheek. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, unchanged or exchanged life. Uh, that is Christianity. That's Christianity. You want to be a genuine Christian? Then live the exchanged life. How do you know that you're born again? Walking in the light? Through Savior behavior. Have you been living like Jesus? Giving, doing, doing good, sacrificing? Uh, is, you know, is there, has there been a change inside of your life? Are you maturing? Are you being perfected in the image of Christ? John is saying, don't say our father, then go live like an orphan. That's what he is saying. He said, don't say that he's your father. I know him. He says, you liar. Because your actions speak louder than your words. My wife one time spoke a sermon that says, your actions speak so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. I'll never forget that one. Uh, your actions speak so loud, I can't even hear what you're saying. Uh, that's what John's saying right here. You come to church and you say, our father, but during the week you live like an orphan. No. Let me be changed. Uh, that's how we can spot. Uh, there's a difference in your life. Uh, you, you, you want the things of God. You can't wait to, to open the Bible and study. On Mondays we fast. Whoa. What's well, okay? I mean, this, this church is for real here. We want, we want you to live a real, genuine Christian life. Ah, we don't want you to go for the okie doke and fried ice cream and all that stuff. When you get to heaven, uh, you'll thank me. And hopefully you'll thank me here on earth too. Uh, but my man, I, I got to preach to you the whole counsel of God here. I need for us to get to heaven and say, oh, Pastor Steve, how come you didn't tell me this? How come you didn't show me this? Look at this. Look at what that church did. Look at all the stuff they got. Man. Uh, Pastor Steve got a rubber band too. Uh, I want every head bowed and every eye closed. But I don't want rubber bands on those heads. I want crowns, crowns, crowns. Pay now, but thank me later. Anything of value, you got to pay a price anyways. Anything of value, you got to pay a price. Let me be changed as I enter in. There has to be a change. Is every head is bowed and every right close, Spirit of God, moving in ministry. Yes, this is a teaching. We're going through the